not a pretty big play, too, for the Bucks here. They do not want Miami to get much closer here. As Porter's going to launch the three and connects from the deep corner left. Bucks play-by-play guy Dave Kane is with us on WTMJ. Dave, how are you? I'm doing great. Better now after uh, last night. Yeah. Things are feeling a little bit grim there for a little bit, but that's kind of just uh, how they, how we roll with the Bucks early in these, these series, it seems. Yeah, you know, so uh, Greg and I were both at the game last night, and I could definitely feel the difference in the crowd now. You know, in game one, it was tough for the crowd to get into it early because it wasn't a great start. My question is, when you're there, and I was actually a few rows behind you, I mean, in front of you, excuse me, I could see you up where I were, and you were so engrossed in your stuff that I didn't want to bother you, but where you are... Can you sense in the arena with your headset and everything on when the crowd is more intense or more into it or more unhappy? I was wondering who said it was. I was trying to see around that. Now. <laughs> it was you in front of me. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Um, you, you know, it's funny when, when you ask that because I do think with a headset on, sometimes you don't have the true appreciation for the, the, the real energy of a crowd. Sometimes I'll take my headset off just to really feel it, because it really does kind of siphon off the noise. You've got a sense for the noise for sure, but uh, I don't know that it's quite as significant as when I'm not wearing that headset. Uh, it, it is a different experience, but, yeah, you know, we, we know when the crowd's in it. Obviously, last night it was much more bumping than it was uh, the previous game, but, uh, yeah, you, you can get a little bit desensitized to it when, when you're wearing that headset because it does. I mean, those things are designed to be directional to mics so they don't pick up all that noise. It makes it easier for you to hear yourself and hear guys that you're working with. But, um, yeah, to your point, though, they just never really had a chance to get into it that first game. I, I don't know. There, there just wasn't that level of energy. And it, it, the reality is I do think fans sometimes do get a little spoiled when you've had a, a large measure of success over an extended period of time, which this Bucks franchise has, which is a great thing. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to have come from a place where they also experienced that. But when you first get into it, you touch that rarefied air for the first time. I think there's something a little different about the energy, particularly early in playoffs. And I think you see it in Sacramento. That's a team that hadn't been there in 17 years, and you watch that game. It's like game seven of the NBA Finals every game they play right now. But, you know, I mean, I think that sometimes you're around it for a while, and maybe that novelty wears off, and you save your best for maybe the Eastern Conference Finals and God willing the Finals. Hey, Dave, we've got a pretty rough connection, so I'm gonna, we're going to hang up with you, and I'm going to ask you to move to another big part of your huge mansion there, and uh, Adam's going to give you a call back. So Adam's going to call you right back here, and we'll try to get Dave back on the line. I really want to uh, get his take on the difference between games one and two, and Greg, it was quite a difference in this Bucks team. Yeah, so I think you watched the Heat play in game number one, and, and they did, this is the worst scoring team in all of the NBA, and they score 130 on the Bucks, and you're thinking, ah, yeah. oh, it's not going to happen again, right? And then the Bucks go out and put up 25 threes. Actually, they put up 49. They made 25. Well, that's not going to happen either, right? So it, the, the playoffs is this weird roller coaster odyssey where you get these anomalies sort of games. And, and just as soon as you point to one and say, that won't happen again, something else just comes out of nowhere. But Another they made statistical it, anomaly. They made it without Giannis. I mean, that's, that's the impressive part. That's what we were talking about a couple days ago, right? They so, came through. Yeah. I'm impressed with the offense, but the defense, they still gave up. Well, last night was a weird game because the fourth quarter it was kind of out of reach, but they still gave up, what, 122 points? Well, I guess my point is not a criticism, but I think they can be even better on the defensive end than they've shown so far in the first two games of this series. I, I think you're right, and, and I, it, you're right. It's hard to judge what happened in the fourth quarter when you're up 33. Uh, 
to be outscored by 17 in the fourth quarter <laughs> and still win by 16 yeah. is pretty impressive. It shows the level of defense they played leading up to that point, I guess is my point. Um, it was just not a good shooting night for a team that historically, or at least this season, was not a very good shooting team. Hey, let's bring Dave Kane back in here. Uh, Dave, we were just talking about defense, and the Bucks with a really nice victory last night, but I, I think they can still play even better defense. They still gave up over 120 points last night. Now, that fourth quarter was kind of weird, so you really can't judge it, but I think they can still play even better on defense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that you look at the way that thing played out, it was offense that won the game. I mean, they hit 25 three-pointers. You're not going to lose too many games when you shoot like that, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. You you talk about the Bucks defense this season. They, they went from 18th in the league from March 11th to April 9th in the final 16 games in the regular season. They've been first in the league in, in the 20 games before that. So it had tailed off just a little bit. But, you know, sometimes it's hard to be great at everything at once. And I think when you're rolling like that and the pace is getting pushed a little bit, sometimes you can get caught up in that. But yeah, and also when you don't have Giannis out there, I think that changes things as well. I mean, that, that guy's also a defensive player of the year candidate just about every year, so you miss him. But, yeah, there's absolutely – they can do a much better job from that perspective, I would say, for sure. So I, it gave me pause yesterday, Dave, when Giannis was elevated on the injury report to questionable. Not that it made it a slam dunk that he would play, but it, it opened my mind as to the idea that he likely tried to do some stuff on the floor – uh, I'm sure he's going to travel to Miami. That single designation, that elevation, th- does that give you more hope that he could play in Game 3? You know, I just looked at the injury, and, and I, look, I'm not going to pretend to be an, uh, a doctor here, but I do think that this is not the kind of injury where it's like a muscular type thing where you're saying, okay, if he goes out there, he's going to re-injure it further. I, from everybody I've talked to, I get the sense that it's it's something where once he's able to, to push off and, and you know have that dynamic explosion that makes him who he is, I I, I get the sense that he's going to be good to go. And and you know it's funny. I actually talked to Marcus Johnson about this. We were sitting at practice the other day, and, he, and I was saying, "Have you ever experienced something like this?" And he was said, "Yeah, I had probably about five or six of these throughout my career." And he said, "It's one of these deals where usually, and this was his experience. He said in about four or five days, you feel like you're you're good to go." And I don't know. So if, if that's the timeline in that sense, you'd think Giannis should be in pretty good shape to play on Saturday. And, and again, this is the benefit of having two games, two days baked in between both games one and two and then games two and three. So how, how does Miami feel now coming up on Saturday? What are they what are they facing and what's the psychological viewpoint for them? Well, probably I would say a lot more like the, the way they felt coming into this series, which is to say we got our hands full. I, I think that was a statement game for the Bucks, for sure, in game two to, to show any you know rumors of their demise have been greatly exaggerated. When you can do what they did without Giannis, put up 138 points, that's the most points that's ever been scored by a team in playoff history, minus their leading score from the regular season. So I, I think that's got to give you some real pause moving forward. And, and here's the other reality. When they lose Tyler Hero, that changes this team. I, I think that they already were at a disadvantage, but their spacing and everything they're able to do without that number one three-point shooter. He had more threes than anybody on that team, and he is an offensive talent, to be sure. The Milwaukee native son unable to go the rest of the way. I think that really hurts this group. And, and I also think, just from a size standpoint, they don't really have anyone inside to handle Brooke Lopez. And we saw that and then you bring Bobby Lope, brought Bobby Portis into the mix, and Giannis potentially banking in the mix. It's going to be a tall order for these guys, I guess, figuratively and literally. 
Dave Kane is the voice of the Bucks. Thank you so much, Dave. All right, guys. Hopefully that connection was a little better. I got to get out of my basement here. You know, all these tornado warnings, right? <laughs> yep. It's always good to have you with us, Dave. Good stuff.